0: Uh, The dog ate my homework. These guys will understand what that means. Uh, uh, We're going to have to postpone the Rapachinsky case. I got back from Washington late last night and um, got to the office this morning. And the SOM server was down. I actually did some of the filming and visited their offices in Warsaw three years ago. And I would like to divert us a little bit today. Uh, I want to talk briefly about what I've been doing in Washington and how it relates to uh, what we've been doing here. And uh, then you'll remember some weeks ago before the midterm, uh, we had a soft soft schedule to do the Morey's business plan. And I've brought with me today uh, two distinguished colleagues who are going to help us uh, do, uh, understand the Maury's business plan as a challenge. Uh, Chris Getman, uh, immediately to my right, is the president of the morris Board of Governors and a, uh, a, an I- iconic figure at Yale. Uh, he has been the owner of how many uh, dapper Dans? Handsome Dans. Handsome Dans, pardon me. Four. Four, and, including the incumbent.
1: Including the incumbent.
0: And Jonathan Ingham, uh, now immediately to my right, is a former president of the Yale Club of New York, Yale College class of 6'4, 6'5, five. Five, um, uh, and has been. One of the instrumental players in the Morris business plan. Um, before I get to that, I want to want to talk a little about Washington. I've been down there uh, working uh, for a company, uh, but it has brought me into contact with staff in the Senate and the House. And I thought I'd share a little of the texture of that with you because it relates uh, to capitalism in. Or at least to American capitalism in, a, in an interesting way. Um, as you know, Saturday night at quarter to midnight, the House of Representatives passed a version of the health care reform bill by the margin of 220 yay, 215 nay. The first thing remarkable about that number is that it adds up to 435. Very few bills add up to 435. This one was one where being absent would be the sort of uh, offense which could cost you your seat in Congress, because the intensity is that high. Uh, the other feature of it, or a, 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 and I read I can't claim to have read more than about 20 percent of the bill um, but the stunning the stunning feature of it is that the fingerprints of lobbyists are all over it in a, in a degree that uh, is just uh, it was to me a pretty disturbing. And I under, I'm, I'm reasonably cynical about how the world works, but the number of cases where um, the bill will be going along talking about one thing and then there'll be a paragraph, It'll be labeled Section 1753 and it will require the services of licensed podiatrists, or it will require uh, a funding grant to a certain category of health providers in a region of several western states. It's just pockmarked with very intense lobbying, and Then when you talk to the staffs of the two parties you get two very different kinds of talk. Um, let's leave my politics out of this. Uh, which side do you think would sound more coherent right now, the Republicans or the Democrats, talking about the health care bill? We got, have I got a mic I can hand somebody? Thanks, Leslie. Who wants to take a shot at that one? Uh,
2: I would guess the Republicans,
0: since they haven't had, to, had, they haven't had to have made concessions to numerous special interests to get the bill passed. Terrific. You nailed it. Are you a political science major? Yes. Good for you. <laughs> uh, uh, in Washington this year, uh, 2.9 billion dollars, repeat that number, $2.9 billion uh, was spent on lobbying the federal government, and uh, while compared to the cost of the health care bill that doesn't sound like much, it's an awful lot of lobbying, and the majority party on a bill like this is, uh, well, How many? Let's suppose they did it as follows: Obama brings in uh, 50 wise men and women from Harvard, Yale, Berkeley, Michigan, uh, Texas, and so on, and they spend 30 days working uh, on the best possible bill to get the most bang for the buck for the general public in a new health care plan. And then he puts it in an envelope and sends it up to the cap- sends it over to Capitol Hill. About how many votes, if it were really well done, do you suppose it would get? Anyone want to take a guess at that? We have historical experience. This is what the Clintons did, right? Nearly two decades ago. And it got shot full of holes immediately, right? There was just virtu- there was virtually no support for it. Because all the defensive interest groups uh, staked out their ground, no concessions or very few concessions were made, and it just sank. Uh, Does anybody remember how the Obama people handled this piece of legislation? What did they say to uh, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi? Anybody? You guys read newspapers? Tom, do you have any memory of this? I mean, he, he more or less uh, gave some broad outlines of principles for the bill, and then said, "You do it," and right. handed the whole thing over to the legislature. Okay, so he handed the thing to the House of Representatives, and the lobbying process uh, became very intense. And it is a uh, an incredibly intricate set of. Most of most of it, uh, an awful lot of it, is like the earmarks for a bridge in Alaska, but it's usually not a bridge in Alaska. It is a podiatrist in an office spread all the way across the country, and um, I really do believe in markets. And there is so much in this bill that would not meet market tests. Right? If you said. We're going to require the service of podiatrists in a certain certain aspect of it, and you ask yourself, well, would people sign up for that if it were not required by law? And in an awful lot of cases, the answer is yes. Of course, some would sign up for it, but the amount spent would be billions less than if you do it this way. Now, uh, you all uh, can ama- I I voted for President Obama, and I'm. Deeply supportive of his and other people's goals for the country, but this bill, um, I I can't—I really can't stand up for it. Does anybody want to take the affirmative about why it is we've just got to get this done? I promise to be polite. Okay. Well we'll go from something easy to something more difficult. Uh, Maury's is, okay let's first of all find out, how many of you have ever set foot in Maury's? Wow, so we have a whole room full of experts. Um, and Would somebody like to recap what they think the last year or two of Maury's existence looked like? It, this could be fun go for it um,
2: there was like a struggle to be much more inclusive so there were all these promotions so you could get a Maury's membership for $10 you could come in and get $10 after like meal and um, my friends and I totally made use of that because we like eating everywhere at Yale around Yale um, so we did go a few times um, but we never got a I don't think we ever really got a Maury's membership things fell through and then we never really heard about it
0: again okay <laughs> It closed on the 19th of December. Do you want your money back? No I'm fine Okay. We uh, <laughs> don't have. Uh, anybody want to want to want to say anything about what they think the place was like from a member or customer point of view over over the last couple of years? Any complaints? We have complaints. Where did I see a hand here? Here's one back here. The food. The food. <laughs> and how was the service? Messy mess. Yeah. Um, lost a lot of money in the last two and a half years it operated. Um, roughly speaking, a thousand dollars a day. And. Uh, Chris became Chris Gatman here became its president uh, after uh, the disaster was revealed, and has been working with a group of us to bring it back. And I thought I would uh, start with uh, Chris and just get him to reflect for a minute on what the task looks like and what we hope to accomplish, and then, then we'll talk to Jonathan and then I'll come back with a summary of the, of the business plan. Well, let me start
1: by saying that the-how does this work? Push it off or- Hello? Of
0: it. <laughs> it, it works just like that. Okay. Um, the first thing-
1: It's like a boost. I'll just, can you all hear me if I talk like this? Yeah. Okay. First thing I did before I became president was to get Don Grey to agree to join our board. The second thing I did after I was president was to close the place, terminate everybody in management but one person who's still with us. Her name is Robin Soldat. director, employee. And then we had to lay off all the staff. We were going to run out of money in the middle of January. We closed on the 19th of December. And actually, this is a good thing because, as you said, Morris was doomed given the quality of the food and the service, basically. Uh, that's what makes restaurants succeed or fail. And uh, we were not succeeding in that regard at all. I think uh, when we reopen, it's going to be a place where you guys are really going to want to go. Because if we are reaching out to the students. If you want your 10 bucks back, hopefully, uh, from are profitable we'll get it to you. Um, second thing I did after that was to get Jonathan to agree to work with us. In addition to being a great guy, he's also a former WIF. And as I think most of you know, the WIFs are very important to constituency of Morris, along with a lot of other athletic teams, Unions, faculty, et cetera, et cetera. The so, West a big part of it, and the reason why we're on our 90s, we have formed a committee to raise money to not only make capital improvements to the club—it was pretty run down—but structural improvements. Um, that goes to the wiring all the way to uh, getting working fireplaces in a couple of the rooms. And the cost to do what we hope to do is going to be something in the neighborhood of $2.9 million. And we're, we're well along the way to do that, and I hope to have good news about the fact that we've reached to talk our goal to talk and to talk about. can sure. open. And we're not going to sign any long-term <clears throat> contracts with electricians or plumbers or contractors until we know we'll be able to see the job all the way through. Uh, it's been fun. There's an awful lot of, you know, Mars is the largest private club in the world because in the old days, uh, there were, you were a lifetime member and it cost 15 bucks to join for life. And so we have 14,000 or probably 13,000 members now, many of whom we don't hear from, but there's an awful lot of loyalty and uh, positive sentiment about the club, and we're very confident that uh, this is gonna happen. And I'll just
2: let John weigh in, or Doug, or.
0: Well, let's, you probably don't need it.
2: No. Um, why Morris? And why Morris as an association, as opposed to an adjunct or some form of, uh, of an open house uh, being run by Yale? Uh, let's back up a little bit. Uh, ten minutes ago, Doug asked me to come in and, and uh, share some of my, my thoughts about Maury's with you. And uh, um, so this is, I'm, I'm, I'm talking as I'm thinking. Um, and I'm going to try and relate it to uh, the purpose of this class, which is capitalism. Um, first of all, why? While- Did I say something wrong?
0: Did we do that?
2: <laughs> uh, okay. Why Maury's? Uh I, I came back to uh, uh, the Yale Bowl about five or so years ago, and I was watching the Harvard game, and I was sitting with some of my Harvard friends, and, and uh, uh, about halfway through the game, I wasn't having any fun. And so I said, I'm going to go back to New Haven and, and uh, just hang out in New Haven and see what's going on. I couldn't find a door that was unlocked. In the entire town of New Haven and I'm thinking to myself where do people like me go on a Harvard weekend or any other kind of weekend or when I want to show up in town there's no place and I wasn't a member of Maury's before I got involved with this because back when I was your age plus two or three years I didn't have the 25 bucks to uh, or at least I didn't think it was a a, a good expenditure, twenty-five dollars for lifetime membership. So I kind of ignored it, and then I started going back uh, with a Whiff alumni group, and we would sing on occasional mories uh, Mondays when the Whiffs were somewhere else. And it, it occurred to me that this was a, a, uh, a place that deserves to be alive. But as I looked around and saw this place, um, it clearly it didn't reflect the needs of the marketplace. It was basically a place where old guys go and uh, have meals occasionally. Um, I didn't see any students there. Didn't, there, was, there, there was no uh, uh, vibrancy, no no relevance to the place. And uh, so then I got involved because of these guys. And the whole concept of what more is should be, uh, Became crystallized in my thinking. Um, It belongs because it represents 100, 150 years of experience, all the pictures up there, all the traditions, the cups. Everybody has their own particular memories about it, but collectively it is an important part of, I think, the Yale experience. And I think sadly, um, it's hasn't been an important part of your collective experience. Um, I think if you do a survey among graduate students for instance, 85, 90% of them won't even uh, or, or never thought that they were eligible for membership in Um uh, So I think what we we're trying to do here is to preserve the um, memorable aspects of Moreys, the iconic, uh, iconic nature of the place, but also to open it up and make it a, a welcoming institution for the student body, both graduate and undergraduate. And by that I mean having expanding things like singing group nights, uh, doing things which we found to be successful at the Yale Club in New York, which was to have poetry readings, um, discussions of novels, uh, any, kind, any kind of thought we want to be open to. Um, the student body to be able to say come on and and let's discuss this here and then of course we hope that that sort of activity will spill over and accrue to some selling drinks and food and stuff terrific but basically let me just finish one thing it belongs run by market forces not by Yale the alumni the Rose Alumni House is useless as far as most graduates go and a Morrie's, which would be run by Yale, I think would similarly not be relevant. I believe an active, well-run restaurant, bar, lounge, which is responsive to the needs of the uh, student body, is the way to go, and that's where I think we're trying to come out on this
0: deal. Okay, um, now let's talk business. Uh, Morrie's, in its last year of operation, did about nine hundred thousand dollars of. Bar and restaurant business. And when I say bar and restaurant, uh, you may be confused by the first word. Uh, where's the bar at Mori's? There is none. Right? It's founded on drinking songs and it has no bar. Kind of odd. Uh, it is all about Yale and only 7% of Yale's enrolled students belong to it. Um, it is a business with an absolutely natural market all its own. Uh, Stephen Blumenfeld, who's a junior in the college, was in this course a year ago when I got started on this, and he said, why don't we do a survey? So he did a Survey mon- Monkey instrument and got 600 student answers and the most interesting thing about it was that something over 200 of the 600 thought that they were ineligible to join Morris they thought it was somehow for uh, all different reasons but a third of our market just thought can't go there um, so that's kind of an issue well the f- the the uh, also in the background the university has done some Focus groups over the last five years, looking for uh, what students and the larger Yale community want in the Broadway Block part of the uni- part, of, part of town. What do you think comes up number one? Bar, and a specific kind of bar. A sports bar. And uh, what we're going to do is in the back of the building. Facing away from York Street, Street, toward the bookstore, toward Morrison Styles, toward the retail block, we're going to put a bar that will have a walkway, an, an indoor walkway into the main building. And it'll be a kind of, um, it'll have characteristic Morris memorabilia and a Yale atmosphere to it. But there will be plasmas and you can watch, you know, even su- such. Uh, below the salt institutions, as Michigan and the University of Southern California, and so on, uh, on a plasma screen, the um, and that slots into the the basic bottom line goal. Uh, Morris did $900,000 in business. It had uh, a roughly a million and a half in expenses. It's last year. You do the math. Uh, the average labor cost embodied in each meal served was $31.50 C- cogitate that for a second i didn't say anything about the cost of the food heat electricity labor labor 3150 yes i remember you mentioned in a class earlier this year that it was because of the labor unions and so is that still a problem um, One of the reasons we didn't do this a few weeks ago is that I can't give a, give a completely straight answer to every question. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the questions which is very much up in the air. Uh, it, if I said it was because of the union, I misspoke. The union is, my assessment is that the problems with the union were about a quarter to a third of what was wrong. And Chris, you know, w- mostly when, when people say we've got a terrible labor problem. First question you have to ask is, don't you maybe have a terrible management problem? And uh, Maury's had both. And often the trouble, the 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 contract was onerous. There's no question. Um, uh, Tight work rules, benefits uh, comparable to General Motors. Um, it, It was it was a bad contract. But uh, we have a very cooperative relationship with Unite Here and Local 217, and we're working on a uh, constructive agreement that will include all kinds of things you don't usually see in labor contracts. This is me speaking, not an official statement. Uh, It is my hope that it will include an individual incentive story where if people work hard and help us produce profits, they'll share in them. Beyond their wages, um, and I, I actually think we might get to that. I have no, no, nothing to announce, but just an aspiration. Okay, so uh, we eventually uh, come up with a business plan, and Mori's has to go from nine hundred thousand in business to a million nine. And much under a million nine, it isn't going to work. So. Uh, then you a- ask yourself how many restaurants in New Haven make a million nine a year in gross revenue. Anybody got a guess? There're MBAs in the room. You guys are good at guessing. <laughs> Igor, what will you have? How many restaurants make a million nine a year gross in, in New Haven? 0. Okay, 0. You're not too far off. Richard, will you have? Said a handful. A handful. You nailed it, <laughs> two is the answer. Uh, there are exactly two such restaurants and they're both uh, on the edge of the campus and therefore potentially competitors to Maury's. Can you name them? Union League? Union League? Yeah. S- say again. No. Yeah, I don't know. No. I think I heard the right answer. Z- Zinc, yeah. And those are guess. Those are guesses on my part. They're rather well-educated guesses. It's not as if these restaurants gave me their books. Um, but they're my good. Gu- they're my guesses. So that's the competitive standard. Um, Maurice, what drives the business? What's the, the first driver you have to think about? Well the we, we all know it has to do with food, drink, service, quality of experience in every way. Um, but why don't more people walk through the door? Well, partly because all those things are not very good, but partly because they don't think they're invited and because they don't think they're invited, it never occurs to them to come. Now what? If you were going to, let's name a demographic by how old they are, how much money they make, um, and where they live. Who should we think of as the people who, who can make Maury's into, excuse me, a $1.9 million business? How about uh, Yale alumni living in California? Okay? Hands up for that? Okay, so that's not, so that the fact that Yale has 160,000 living alumni and that the vast majority of them have handsome incomes, does that solve our problem or not? Not. Okay, is there a subset that might help solve our problem? Yes?
2: those who been driving distance. Okay, good.
0: It's a 30 mile radius, right, and there, there are about 7,800 Yale alumni in a 30 mile radius, uh, and we're now getting almost none of them. Can you think of another market segment that you might want to pay attention to? It's already been mentioned. Yeah, I'm holding up a mirror, it's you. Now um, let's start, may I presume to start with you? Sure. Can I have one of these mics? Mm-hmm. Um, this is a sales call. Okay. Uh, I'd like you to join Maurice. Um, what does
2: that entail, or how much do I have to pay?
0: How much do I have to pay? Uh, you have to pay $15, what year are you?
2: I'm a senior.
0: You're a senior, okay. Well you're not going to get the best deal uh, because the price is for the duration of your years at Yale as a student. The price is $15 and we're going to give you a $10 food and drink credit. Are you 21? Yeah. Okay, so a $10 drink and food credit. <laughs> <laughs> um so the net cost to you, if you like to either drink or eat, and we have good stuff, is five dollars. I
2: paid five dollars.
0: flat. Yeah, five it, it, net. You're gonna have to write a check for fifteen, but you'll. It's like one of those re- rebate coupons, you know. You gonna do it or not? I'd
2: have to. It depends if other people I know are gonna do it. Also. Okay,
0: that's a really good answer, right? It depends on if other people I know are gonna do it. And just tell—I think you're exactly right. But tell me, tell me how you got. What what are you thinking?
2: Um, Well, I've never been to Maury's before, and I don't want to just go and sit by myself if no no one else I know is going to be there. Okay,
0: (laughs) Uh, that's absolutely the right answer, right? Because uh, restaurants and clubs are a so-called network good, and the value of going by yourself and sitting in the corner. Is not very hot, right? It's meant to be friendly. Okay, so there's a, there's a huge insight there. Let me try a couple more people. Um, Jennifer, how about you? All right. like uh, this is you sales cl- Sales call. You already know the price. All right. Well, I'd want to know what kind of food they serve because if I have if I'm a picky eater, maybe I wouldn't even enjoy going there because okay. I'm not 21. Okay, you're not 21. <laughs> And uh, Are you a picky eater? Uh, for these purposes, yes, today I am. <laughs> okay, and wh- what, are, what are you, where are your criteria? Uh, let's say I'm a vegan,
1: would I even Oh, you're a join? vegan.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> so the, the, the three quarter pound hamburger that we plan to serve is not <laughs> going to do it for you. No. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to want to have, you don't insist, do you ass- insist that we serve only vegan food? No, but I want to know that if I go there, I will enjoy my experience. So,
2: if you have the options, that I would eat. That okay, right.
0: so vegan options.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, we're, we're going to be open a lot. Used to be we were open 39 hours a week. We're oh, going to okay. be open 65 and a half hours a week. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that extra time is pub time, where the restaurant All will be right. closed, but the pub will be open. And the idea is come in and uh, meet your friends for a drink. And have a ve- vegan burger. <laughs> are we getting great. anywhere with you on that with vegan burger or not gonna do uh,
2: it? Yeah, and you know, most things served at a bar
0: are vegan, so I think I would. So, uh, okay. <laughs> so, you're si- you're, did you sign up or not? I don't Still know. in doubt, okay. All right. Um, uh, let's go right here. Um, so, 15 bucks minus 10. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually I thoroughly enjoyed going even before the uh, before it shut down. But um, even like I the never, food see, I never went to, to eat was the thing though. We we always went for, for cups with a group of friends or something along those lines. So I'm definitely attracted by the, okay. the bar. And do you actually like cups? Um, I it was more just sort of the the experience, which is what was being discussed. Yeah, I, I actually think there's this peculiar thing about cups. I know lots of people who do cups and don't like them. <laughs> and it's what they're doing, and it's your point, it's the social thing, it's with your friends. Now Chris, do you claim to like cups? Um, if, you, if you put a cup on a menu as, as a drink
1: and served it by the glass, probably not. It's <laughs> the
0: experience, quite frankly. Yeah, it is the experience. Jonathan, I think I remember that you don't much care for them. Uh, And I like to drink. He does. (laughs) We have that in common, all three of us have that in common. Uh, So uh, It's a pretty diverse student market, but uh, it turns out that the students are the drivers, the biggest driver for the whole thing, and the reason is that the ambiance of the place is geriatric. Right? And geriatric is boring. Uh, for example, I got my mother to move into an assisted living home a year ago, and she said, Promise me you'll get me out of here after a year if I hate it. And after a year, she said, I hate being around these old people. Get me out of here. And she's out. Um, and so we've got to get you involved to get other people involved. Now, uh, the faculty are also, the tur- turns out the faculty are the biggest spenders. On a per capita basis at Morey's, it's moving a piano, I guess. Um, But we're still way short of enough. What what I've talked about now so far is about enough to do a million, a million one, a million two. Where else are we going to go looking for customers? Anybody got a thought? In the back. Let me get you the mic. Tourists and visitors to New Haven? Okay. Uh, tourists and visitors. What do you think, guys? John, do you think that'll work or not? Well, it's tough in the club. Yeah, the trouble with that is that we're a club. Now, it can be the people who have reciprocal agreements with the Maurice Club, and there are how many clubs like that?
1: Right now, there's only one, but there are going to be several
0: okay. so when we reopen. Okay. Okay. Uh, we our business plan counts on no business from tourists. Uh, anybody else got a thought? Making members renew membership
1: annually, so even if they're not actually coming into the restaurant, they still pay the membership
0: fee. Okay, turns out that the membership dues are a, are they're a nice little add-on, but they're they're in the neighborhood of the last couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, which you know, and that's not chicken feed for us but it's not foundational. (coughs) Uh, In the back.
2: One of the previous barriers for Morris was the perception of exclusivity, and um, if you open up membership to the larger Yale community broadly defined, that would open up new revenue streams, so not just the students but faculty and staff as well.
0: Okay, uh, that's huge. Uh, First of all, the entire staff of the university becomes eligible for membership whatever the rank or job description. Uh, uh, Second, uh, the subway alumni are a very important part of any university, right? Like Notre Dame has about six million subway alumni, people (coughs) who identify with the school and do all the stuff and never set foot on it in the role of student. Um, And Yale has some of that too. Quite a lot of it. So where do we go looking for people who uh, obviously love the institution uh, but don't don't show up on our record of alumni and such like? Parent uh, associations. Say like, again. Like the parents of the students. Pa- parents, parents yeah. uh, yes. Student parents are are one segment of Subway alumni, and we think. Uh, we probably get four or five hundred of them to join uh, annually, and so that's, that's not inconsequential. Donors oh, to Yale University? Uh, donors to Yale University. Okay, anybody who has ever given a hundred bucks to Yale, alumni or not, uh, is clearly eligible. Anybody else you might think of, Richard?
2: Yale sporting events.
0: Yale sporting events. Very good. And how would we, how would we go about, how would we go about finding the right list there? It's a, first of all a club. Can't, you know, we are not Joe's Bar and Grill, so we can't sort of walk around at halftime in a football game with a sign, "Come to Morey's." Okay, so we want actual paying customers and the the people we would aim at are tic- season ticket holders, right? Season ticket holders for Yale Athletics. Okay, there are any other groups like that you might think of? Let's talk about your parents. And don't and not about them being members of Morris, but what what would trigger them to be members of Morris if they lived near Yale? and we're not Yale alums. Want to take a shot at that? Not really? Okay that's fine. Where are we? These MBAs know it all. Well, I guess uh, as as parents coming to visit your student or your, your son or daughter as a student, um, you may not necessarily be able to spend all the time that you're on campus
2: with them, and you want somewhere you can go and uh, just kind of kill some time while you're waiting.
0: Okay, so that's the parent niche again. How about people who have already shown a propensity to spend money in things like Morris? How about? the membership roster of the New Haven Lawn Club. How about the membership roster of the Quinnipiac Club or the Graduates Club or the New Haven Country Club or uh, any one of 20 other comparable clubs in the 30-mile circle? What do you think? Who's got an intuition one way or the other about that? Um, let, me, let, me, let me give you another, another, another hint about that. The dues at most of those clubs is measured in the low thousand per year. The dues at Maury's no one will pay more than 100 dollars a year for Maury's. And if you are a member of the Lawn Club, the Lawn Club has food that is better than Maury's, but a hell of a lot worse than Union League. And if I came to you and said, "A hundred bucks, 100 bucks." Two thousand bucks, 100 bucks, 2,000 bucks. I might get you to switch clubs, but more likely what I'd get you to do is to add mores. Um, yes, Jim.: Weren't you uh, leaving out the all-important uh, potential drinking business of the grad and professional students? We are. And I, I should point out to you that Jim Alexander, whom you all know well not just from his Enron days, uh, uh, is in uh, eight days from now assuming office as president of the Lawn Club, and I was talking about stealing his members sort of just to have fun with him. uh, Do you think he can keep that membership list secret from me? I was president two years ago, Uh, plus there's a membership directory that is published. now, would I want to harm the loan club? Not at all, but would I like to get in on a little of the action? Absolutely. Now, uh, yeah, guys. I have a question on what... Uh, okay, does it follow this, follow this line of...
2: Yeah, it's on the slide of talking. So, just a uh, criticism, I guess. Are you a bit concerned that if you open the net too broadly to Quinnipede institutions, yeah, you know, loan club, et cetera, that you may be diluting what was the value of the institution in the first place, which is what we mentioned before, which is the history of being a Yale institution.
0: Okay. Um, that's a good question. and uh, let me, let me, let's, turn, let's go back to Jonathan and Chris about that. If we let too many uh, non-Blues in the door, does the, play, does the value of it for the Blues begin to erode? I don't think so. I don't think you can tell a a Yale graduate
2: from a non-Yale graduate quite frankly out in the general marketplace. Uh, I believe that the nature of Maury's is going to be self-selecting. And people who are interested in in, in joining Um, will will naturally go there, those who, who might not fit what you consider the mold or would be the diluted that but probably would say who it. Either.
0: Okay. Um, I actually think there is a little bit of a, a dilution problem. And you know, there's a little bit of the kind of Groucho Marx things, thing where you say, I don't want to be a member of a club that'll have me. <laughs> um, the, but the, the segment of students that we think we're going to get quite a great change from that is starting from zero. Is graduate and professional students. Uh, Leslie. Uh, Leslie is a PhD candidate in the political science department. Uh, what are our prospects with you?
2: Well, um, I'd say they're fairly good.
0: <laughs> okay,
1: what, but what? you've
2: already pitched it to me as an upscale version of Gypsy. Yeah.
1: Are you reading your dissertation? <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh,
0: the the. One one of the things, what, what, how about MBAs? I I I'm hoping we're going to get about an 80 percent response rate from MBAs. What do you think, guys? Yeah. yeah. And what what is it? And if you and other than trying to trying to uh, please me at the moment, uh, what are you going to get out of it? Anybody?
2: I I think that. For an MBA, there's also a
0: lot of benefit in the connections with other uh, alumni that are willing to pay and come back as far as networking
2: and future job opportunities and just getting to know people in specific areas.
0: Yeah. And one more to the back.
2: And, And also, I don't know of another place, aside from Gypsy, that has a patio where we can just share a picture. And um, I think there's real value in just being able to have an anchor institution that's close to the center of the university campus.
0: Absolutely. Um, So, uh, Chris, uh, we've got five minutes left. And I'll actually um, circle back to this later in the course. But uh, let's hear your pitch. Chris is a born salesman. he is the best fundraiser i've ever been close to. Um, we've raised what was the number we determined this morning? one point seven million dollars so far, and um, Chris, pitch this thing.
1: Well I think uh,
0: pitch it to the students or to P- pitch it pitch it general
1: well what first of all. As Doug said, right now, the food at Morris is worse than the Lawn Club. I happen to be a longtime member of the Lawn Club. And ate there. ate there yesterday, only because I couldn't go to Morris. But I think that in the future, the food at Morris is going to, this is our hope anyway, the food and the service is going to be something that people will want to go back to. We had a lot of people who'd go there for the first time and say, oh, this is so cool, because it is a unique place. But their dining experience, both food-wise and service-wise, was, was mediocre. So they didn't become regular customers. So our first hope is that all, everybody, and, and the bar in the back, we think, with the pub is going to be ideal for students and grown-ups, for that matter. Uh, and I just want to add to what Doug was saying. Another a couple other groups that we're going we're gonna to target are subscribers to the Yale Rep. Subscribers to the New Haven Symphony Orchestra, subscribers to Longhorn, the Schubert. who are people that we feel won't really dilute the character of the place. Um, and we, we're we very optimistic that people are going to f- think that Morris is a good value, it's fun, and uh, they're going to want to go back there. And we're very optimistic about this million nine in revenue. I, I just... I. I think that's a slam dunk.
0: Um, and We'll be recruiting a marketing team uh, in uh, the spring term to help us uh, hit the numbers we have to with uh, new student enrollments, and I hope one or two of you will take an interest in that task. It's, a, it's actually a really interesting uh, set of business problems. Um, First, let's thank my colleagues here. Um, On Monday next, uh, please read the Goldman Sachs IPO, which we'll take apart and we'll have the help of a Goldman partner while we do it.